0: my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain, as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis episode of the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalad. I'm a United Methodist pastor in North Georgia and serve in an innovative role as both lead cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the North Georgia Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, as well as community engagement pastor at Mount Pisgah Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. It's the spring of 2020, and we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and perhaps one might think not the best time to launch a podcast, or maybe not. It's certainly not the plan I had when I started sharing with others and my idea of having conversations on my podcast about what it means to be the church in a rapidly changing world. In some ways, I think it makes more sense than ever, however, in this age of pandemic and trying to figure out new ways of being and doing church when we are separated, scattered, dispersed distributed, whatever you might call it at this time. In fact, I think actually we share quite a bit of common ground right now in how this pandemic has impacted our way of life, not only here in the States, but across the world. We're all fighting common ground in battling this virus. We are anxious people. I think that's shared across the board. We are Um, in many ways, fearful and uncertain about the future. And there is certainly a sense of collective uh, grief as we grieve uh, not only what was, um, but um, many of the plans uh, and milestones um, that we had or that we've missed out on by being separated. Birthdays and anniversaries and graduations and even weddings. People are also, however, sharing common ground in their cheering on our healthcare workers, our first responders, and our frontliners. People, everyday people that are um, working in our grocery stores, delivering our our mail, um, work in the transportation industry. Um, We're all celebrating them. We've all kind of come together as cheerleaders for those who are keeping things moving, even as they seem to have come to a standstill. I think all of us can find or have found common ground in that we're people looking for hope, and that's certainly um, an integral part of being a human being, and that is looking for places of hope, places of inspiration and, and things to look forward to, a future that's packed with possibility. We're all looking for that right now. In some ways, I think this time has clarified for us what is truly essential in our lives and what is not. In some ways, um, we're adapting through creativity and innovation at breakneck speed like few if ever any of us have seen or experienced in our lifetimes before. And that's true in just about every sector from uh, local businesses and the private sector to uh, science and medicine and that what... Uh, two months ago was thought to be um, no possibility for a cure or a vaccine uh, for another year to 18 months is now being discussed as a possibility as early as September and as late as January. It's, it's quite remarkable uh, to see what is happening in this time, but it's also remarkable to see how the church has responded and, um, in some amazing ways as far as creativity and innovation and its willingness to adapt to this time. And, and all of that really um out of the desire to both nurture and to build connection and community with, with other people, whether it be um, those uh, who are already a part of our church families, our, um, our, our existing families of, of church or if they are um, just people in our neighborhoods, um, I think that all of us are looking for places and ways to connect and to, to build community. You know, even uh, in our neighborhoods, sitting down and um, out on our driveways or on our front porches when uh, just a few months ago, most of our time was spent on our maybe on our back porches or driving into our garages and closing the door and and possibly not even speaking to our neighbors. Things have changed dramatically, and it's it's a very interesting time to be alive and see. Um, indeed, not only how the world is responding, but especially how the church is responding. And this desire and willingness to adapt to the changing landscape is really. Uh, and 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 nurture and grow connection and community w- and build community with people is really integral to what the Fresh Expressions movement is all about. Um, I've been a part of that movement for about four five years now. And uh, for those of you who don't know what a Fresh Expression is, it is um, our working definition is a new form of church for our changing world, created primarily for people that are not yet a part of church or any church. Um, I became a part of that movement uh, about four years ago when I heard someone named Verlin Fosner speak on Dinner Church at a conference I was at. It was actually the the New Room Conference, which is an annual conference for Seedbed Publishing that's held in the Nashville area in Tennessee. And um, he is an author and, um, and speaker that had published a book about Dinner Church in this movement that had begun in Seattle, Washington, um, under his leadership. And all of the things that God had taught him um, and led him and and guided him in the faith community that he was leading at the time and doing and beginning this dinner church movement. It really resonated deeply with me because uh, food has always, and and what happens at a table has always been truly significant to me and who I am, and that um, I, I believe that we connect in ways Um, so much more deeply and real and authentically um, when we sit down and share a meal with someone else. Um, I believe that so much. It was such a big part of my growing up, those family meals together and that the connection um, that we shared at the table together, that when I was in my, uh, I guess I was in my late 20s when I went back to school and um, got a culinary arts degree and for 13 years worked as a, a personal chef um, because of what I saw happen at tables when people sat down at them. And the beautiful thing that that um, that God was doing there that frankly, I didn't even recognize the presence of God in at that time in my life. I um, I didn't really grow up in the church. I went to church as a kid. And um, there came a time I was baptized in the church as um, as an infant and in God's provenient grace, which is the grace that we Wesleyans uh, recognize as always working on our behalf and calling and wooing us back to God. I, I found my way back to church as a, a young woman, um, married five years, about to start my family um, my husband and I had not really grown up in the church. I, um, he certainly hadn't grown up in the church. um he um, he really grew up irreligiously with a, um, a no real sense of of what it meant to be um, a person of faith in any um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, I did not understand what it meant to be a Christian, though I would have called myself a Christian at that point in my life. But when we um, got married, we said we were going to raise our children as Christians. And when the time came for us to start our family, I thought, well, I guess I better go find out who this Jesus is, which is uh, when I made my way uh, back to the church and um, God quickly got a hold of me and I turned my life over to Christ uh, and, and just an absolute response to the, the grace and love and mercy and forgiveness uh, that I found there, and the, the family that I found, in the church that embraced me and, um, and truly raised me, um, though I was a 29-year-old woman, truly raised me to, um, to grow up in my faith over a number of years. And um, I certainly have not arrived yet but the, the, fresh exp- the Fresh Expression movement and um, what happens around tables and, and the whole idea of dinner church led me to this uh, movement of, of Fresh Expressions and starting a dinner church at a church I was serving in, uh, in Douglasville, Georgia. So I, I served a small church in an urban area, 118-year-old declining church. I was a first female Lead pastor there, and its history, and boy, did God teach me a lot of things there about what it means to be church, and just a lot of the wrestling that the church in its traditional form um, is having for such a, in such a time as this, in a world that's changing uh, dramatically um, around us, and that is, in many cases, not connecting. The church is not connecting. Uh, with the changing world uh, around it, and so I served that church first uh, as a local pastor in the United Methodist Church when I was still in seminary, and then came and was appointed at um, a middle-sized a suburban church in Douglasville, Georgia, um, which is a suburb of the Atlanta area, about thirty minutes west of uh, the thirty-five minutes west of the city. So I, I served that church for a number of years, but the, the beginnings of the dinner church were really um, came out of a relationship with a, an elementary school there in the area, less than a mile and a half from the church campus, actually had the the highest free and reduced lunch in the, the county, and it happened to be uh, the elementary school that my younger daughter was going to be um, going to for her fourth and fifth grade year. And um, while many folks were reluctant to, to send their children to some of the public schools, I, I have always been a firm believer in the public school system. I believe that, um, that, that, that God is there and that God is working. And I know many, many school teachers that will tell you that, um, that God is present in those, <laughs> in those schools and that, that we're meant to, as Christians, Um, inhabit all the places of our lives and bring the light of of Christ into them. And and so my children have always gone to public schools. That's just my little um, soapbox moment, and that's that's where I'm coming from. But um, as a result of our relationship in the community, of um, my daughter being there, of my involvement always in my kids' schools, frankly, and of a a very real need, uh, the church formed a partnership with that particular elementary school, um, and what is often the case in, in um, schools and, and areas that that have these high um, food instabilities and insecurities is that there are often families that are represented there, families that have grandparents raising grandchildren or single parent families or both parents working just to make ends meet. And um, these schools don't have necessarily the the functioning PTAs or the Um, the classroom support that a lot of schools in more affluent areas have. And so the church really sought to be, to stand in the gap there, um, to be the room parent, to be the the person that would read books in the classes or serve on the PTA or help with the book fairs or the school events or love on the teachers or or whatever else um, you might think of as far as um, supporting that local school. So we did that for five years before I learned about the Fresh Expressions movement and this whole idea of dinner church. And the Holy Spirit just put all of those pieces together, and um, I really felt the the inspiration of the Spirit and, and what the possibility might be of of planting a dinner church in that school. Now I know you're probably thinking, Heather, that's a that's a public school. Like, how is that going to happen? Well, well, I'll just say by God. The long story short is that the dinner church started in that school and was moved to a. After I was, I should say, it started in that school after six months of prayer walking, a lot of praying, and um, net throwing to catch the team that would uh, uh, bring that dinner church about. And um, six months later, that first dinner church was launched, and then and then later moved to a food pantry within the na- same neighborhood, so walking distance from from the elementary school, serving the same people and actually more. Uh, over time, uh, that that dinner church continued to grow, and and just it's about two and a half years old at this point. So. Over that time, God taught me so much about what it means to be the church. Um, I had to unlearn some things and to step out of the way and be okay with um, uncertainty and things not going the way I thought they should or would, and... Um, just a, a lot of chaos. And um, I love what Verlin says about needing um, street fighting Jesus, uh, particularly in the dinner church, because you honestly never knew who was going to um, show up or what chaos might ensue. But man, was it exciting, and man, was it fun. And and man, did I see some people come to know uh, that they were loved, that they were forgiven, that they um, experienced maybe grace for the first time in their life. Um, that they knew a hope, uh, that that they'd not known um, in a long time. Um, people that um, were a part of the team and remain a part of the team have grown up in their faith in ways that I know that they probably couldn't have anticipated at the beginning um, because the scripture really comes to life when you ha- when you are sharing and reading and growing together with people whose lives are completely different from yours. So it's just been an awesome experience that I want to continue to share with others, but also press into the the possibility with um, with other churches and other um, people in in uh, really truly living into this great commission uh, that the church has been given and taking the love and grace of God to a world that is in great need of that love and grace. I want to share a little bit more with you about how the, the fresh expressions movement got started and, and it did get started in the UK. It was about 16, 17 years ago when um, uh, you know, the leaders in the church obviously recognized the decline in the church, much like we find ourselves in the midst of in in the States now, but um, they said, you know, we need to figure out what's going on and what we can do about it. And so, um, they put together a team and, and what they found is that though the um, participation uh, was declining in the inherited or traditional models of church, those forms of church that have, you know shaped and formed so many of us and, and our ideas of what church are, um, while while participation and, and attendance and those things were declining, that in fact, um, the church was growing in some unexpected and unusual places. That God was moving out and about beyond uh, the walls of the the body that that met there. Um, imagine. So um, they they wanted to pay attention to that. God was moving there. Forms um, forms of church were happening. New faith communities were um, were springing up in places like. Uh, neighborhoods and um, coffee houses and pubs and ball fields and um, gyms and, and things of that nature. And they said, how can we pay attention and be more intentional in creating new forms of church um, outside of our existing church, and not to not to be in competition with the existing church because that was still working for uh, a good amount of people. But how can we do? How can we go about um, taking more of a blended approach? We talk about a blended economy or a blended ecology in uh, in the Fresh Expressions movement. That it's really about a both and. It's not putting all of our eggs in one basket, but. You know what does it mean to um, do and be church in different places? Uh, If you think of the book of Acts, we think of um, the Jerusalem church in Acts 11 and the Antioch church, the the Gentile church, the birth of the new church. So this is not about um, either or, it's about a both and. It's what does it mean to be both the Jerusalem and the Antioch church? What does it mean to be the stationary temple, but also the tabernacle that's uh, the God on the move that the people of God are are following. So that movement began like I said about 16, 17 years ago um, in uh, response to what came out of that um, investigation was the mission shaped church report, which you can grab that off of Amazon you can get that just about anywhere. Um, and I like to also point a lot of my friends in, in North Georgia in particular to Mission Shaped and Rural, which is really about rural churches. Um, and and um, this was a report that came out of the UK as well. Uh, stories of God moving in some um, unexpected places and how the church was getting new getting new life in those places. And not only is the church getting new life in those places because of Um, The new things that God's doing in those places, but really the new things that God is doing in the life of the existing church and really the revitalization that's happening within the existing church as the priesthood of all believers, a full body of Christ is being deployed on this mission with God and what it means to be a great commission um, church the fresh the title fresh expressions actually came out of the uk and it and it came out of the the from the church of england and the preface to their declaration of assent that all incoming um, anglican clergy have to confess and so that it reads like this the church of england is a part of the one holy catholic and apostolic church worshiping the one true god father son and holy spirit It professes the faith uniquely revealed in the Holy Scriptures and set forth in the Catholic creeds. And this is the key uh, line here. Which faith the church is called upon to proclaim afresh in each generation. I don't have to tell you that the world around us is changing, um, you know, even pre-pandemic um, and certainly now and and post-pandemic and what, what the church is going to look like um, we, when we get on the other side of this. But um, the world is changing and the church is changing, and, and the church really is called to proclaim this faith that we all hold in common, a fresh and new Um, ways that connect with the new generations um, that are before us. Really what I hope to accomplish in this uh, Common Ground podcast is to inspire you with stories of people that are out there, pioneers and practitioners that are, are doing and being church in new and creative and innovative ways, I hope to shift some paradigms and reframe some of the ideas that we all might have about what it means to be the church. I also hope to throw some gasoline on some fires that God has already lit in this movement as we continue to share stories and to press into what we are called and sent to do as followers of Jesus. I think ultimately the search for common ground doesn't require a long walk. I'm reminded of the disciples that Jesus sent out in Luke 10 when uh, he deployed the 70 or 72, some translations say. He actually told them to not take anything with them and to rely on the kindness, if you will, of strangers to look for the people of peace in their communities that would open doors to them. Um, Common ground is not a long way off. Uh, Common ground is right outside of our doors. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our local coffee shop. It's in the gym and even, um, and especially online right now. God is working in all of those places and present in all of those places and all of creation. And God is calling us back to what we were made for, and that's for a relationship with God, that impacts um, the relationships that we have with other people in beautiful, life-giving ways. For me, a common ground moves us to be present in places where God is already working and space um, can be cultivated for connection and relationship that grows roots in Christian community. I hope that you will join me as I share stories from the field with others working in the fields that God has made ripe for the harvest. I look forward to our time together. Be blessed.